1: Welcome back to the podcast. Today, our guest is Jeffrey Lloyd with Mortgage Acuity. Good morning.
0: Hey, good morning,
1: Gary. How are you? I'm doing well. So Jeff, tell us, how did you get into uh, the mortgage industry?
0: You know, unlike a couple of the guests on your show, I came to it intentionally. So when I was a kid, my mom was a realtor and a house flipper. And one of her boyfriends was a mortgage loan officer. And they came home you know, exhausted from work, but still talking shop, which I always thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into it initially, though. I was in technology for several years. And then when I was searching for a new career, I thought to myself, you know, I should really check out the mortgage business. And I got into it in 2003, and I'm still in it. Right.
1: So what is it about the, the mortgage industry that, that gets you up in the morning, gets you excited to, to get into the office?
0: There's a few things. Uh, one is I really like the details. Uh, of the mortgage industry. I like the details of financing the transaction. I'm a little bit more sort of a maybe a numbers-based person rather than, you know, loves to see new houses and gets enthralled with real estate, Uh, you know, the beauty of homes and cool kitchens and things like that. But I do like all aspects of real estate, you know, refinancing home trends, uh, pricing trends. I think it's interesting. And I also like the problem-solving part of it. Right. So, uh,
1: so, so, you know, talking about the problem solving, you know, what, what are some of the problems that that you're seeing with the, um, that the clients are coming to you um, and, you know, wanting to get mortgages?
0: I think many clients come with some idea in mind of what they want for home financing. They'll want a 30-year fixed, they'll want a 15-year fixed. They have some notion of how they want to approach it. I think where clients, or what they don't think about necessarily is how does it fit into their overall goals? Mm-hmm. How does it fit into the, the goal for the home or the goal for the mortgage or their financial goals? And sometimes we are a little bit more impressed by the idea of paying off our home early. So we think maybe a 15 year fixed that home purchase would be best. Whereas, really, maybe there are other financial goals that we want to achieve alongside with equity in our home, and a thirty-year might be the better option. Right. So, how it fits into the full picture? Right.
1: So, you know, it, it's it seems like um, you know, lots of times, um, you know, we obviously we've gone through where uh, people got mortgages that and they got in way over their head. Um, how has, has things changed since that with the re- more of the regulation that's going on in, in the mortgage industry?
0: Well, I think one thing that's changed is that there aren't as many products for folks that aren't fully documented, or at least at a prime rate, at the best okay. possible rates. And we're looking more at debt-to-income ratio. We're looking a lot more at employment longevity. And some of those things as we underwrite a loan.
1: So how has, you know, kind of our, our pandemic COVID, how has that changed, um, you know, the mortgage industry and underwriting and, and things?
0: Initially, it changed it quite a bit, particularly with self-employed folks. Mm-hmm. There was a a feeling that self-employed folks, business owners, particularly small business owners, were going to, well, go out of business sure. and quickly. And so there any small business owners that were looking to refinance were heavily scrutinized credit scores were increased dramatically up to 780 in some cases for a self-employed individual mm. and that really kind of put a damper on refinance activities for people who might really need it
1: what you know I mean I, I, I've heard that that um, you know kind of the the second home investment home uh, mortgages and stuff are are Changing now, also. Can you tell us about that?
0: Yes. Now, an after fact of the initial COVID um, guideline changes is now. I think. Now, this is my thoughts: is that I think the regulators and in the industry as a whole is is going is foreseeing more foreclosure activity post COVID. With second homes, investment properties are usually the first they generally have a higher rate of default. And so they have increased pricing. Um, they basically increased the rates for those types of properties.
1: Okay. So if, if somebody is thinking about getting into, into that you know market and, and want to buy a vacation home or, or something like that, um, what would you recommend to them before they just go start looking? I mean you know, come to you first to figure out what rates are, um, you know, to make sure that they can afford it?
0: I think a quick touch as far as what current rates are and whether or not they can afford it is is definitely a good idea prior to looking from homes. But I also think that folks should look at some properties at, at a minimum online, get a feel for what's available, get a feel for what the price points are, get a feel for what the tax rates are, where they want to buy, and just sort of get into the mindset of a second home.
1: What are um, some of the questions that, um, you know, that your clients aren't asking you when they come in that you wish that they were?
0: There's, there's a few questions that I wish they would ask me, or I'd like them to ask me. One is what commitments do I make to them? You know, my forthrightness, understandable explanations, uh, same day documentation, documentation turnaround, things like that I think are, questions that I would want to know as a prospective borrower of my mortgage broker.
1: Right. Now um, you're you're an owner of, of the you know your company. What is it about you know your company that is different from other mortgage brokers? Time
0: and attention. We we have a lot of experience, my partner and I. We've been in the business for about 18 years, but that doesn't speak to everything. And I think it's just more that I like to do loans for individuals. I like the transactions. I like working with clients. I've been in management before. I've run business or you know, a line of business for large banks. And this is what I like to do. So I think that's what differentiates me, particularly as a broker owner, from other shops.
1: Right. So what are some of the, the fears that um, your, your clients have coming in and how do you help them you know, ease those, those fears?
0: Clients like to put their best foot forward. And so that's kind of the easiest way to detect what their fears may be. So sometimes I think largely they, they're concerned about having enough money for the transaction. Have I saved enough? Have I saved enough for the down payment that I want to put down and closing costs? And will I have enough money behind the purchase to, you know, do some of the stuff I want to do to the house, get some curtains, maybe recarpet, refinish floors, things like that. And so I think often clients have fear around how much money they have. Usually they know how much they're going to make. Usually they know kind of where they want to buy. I think it's, do I have the money? So
1: with, You know, going through the pandemic and, and, you know, people, you know, lost jobs, got new jobs, things like that. Um, In in credit score, how do you help somebody, you know, kind of navigate those waters that has now decided, okay, I think it's time for me to buy because, you know, you know, I have my job, everything's, you know, good there now. Um, What are some of the things that you try to help them do before they go into a purchase
0: well certainly we try to stabilize any credit activity most mortgage brokers will say don't buy anything don't take out a new credit card i don't so much like to say what you cannot do as opposed to maybe what you can do but just stabilize the activity kind of keep your credit card balances around what you're used to keeping or where they are now uh Certainly any new credit items, we'll have to take a look at. If you're gonna buy a new car, we need to know that that fits into your debt to income ratios and, and that kind of thing. But mostly just keep on keeping on when it comes to uh, the credit score. We're not going to see a huge raise in credit score depending on when you wanna buy. Certainly if you wanna buy in the next couple of weeks or month, we're not probably not going to see that big raise in credit score. So mostly it's managing expectation. Gotcha.
1: Now, do you do you guys work with people on trying to help them repair their credit score um, or, or raise their credit sum to be able to, you know, get a better rate?
0: We do. Yeah, we do. We can offer advice based on what I've seen. Credit is often a bit of a black box, but yes, I've seen hundreds of thousands of reports, not hundreds of thousands, but thousands of reports. And over my career and I've seen what works and kind of what doesn't work. Sometimes it's easy. I help the dentist raise his score about 80 points with a phone call, just getting one little collection deleted. So sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's a long haul.
1: Gotcha. So, you know, there's, there's, you know, just like in the tax world, there's many online products that are out there and things like that. Why is it that somebody should use a professional like you to help them as compared to using an online service?
0: Most of the online services have an assembly line process where each individual that you talk to is very siloed. They really kind of do one thing. And so a borrower is passed from person to person to person as they move through the process. For some, actually that's okay because they'll move right through, but for many, When it comes to a mortgage, when it comes to home financing, a big purchase, a lot of life goals surrounding that purchase, it is a little bit more comfortable to work with somebody where each time they call, they're going to talk to one person. In our case, it's in me.
1: Right. In that process, um, because I know from from my side of things, doing taxes, um, you know, we, you know, get multiple requests for you know, for documents, and I know, especially during, uh, you know, this COVID time and and pandemic, I mean, we're getting, you know, repeated um, requests for, you know, employment verification and things like that. Is this something because of the pandemic that that there's multiple checks of it, or is this something that we're going to see going forward that this is going to happen more?
0: In my business, it's been happening really since the financial crisis of 08, 09, that period, where they're always going to want to know that you're still employed right before the closing. So they'll do, and obviously they'll check income along the way, but 10 days before closing, they'll do a verbal verification of employment. And they may even do it on the day of closing if they feel that that's needed. And so in the mortgage business, there is a lot more of that background checking of employment credit and things like that right up to the day of closing often
1: yeah because i'm even starting to see even like a couple weeks after closing you know we're getting the call for the for the employment uh verification still um and i've never had that before
0: so it's just that would be unusual yeah that is unusual
1: yeah so you know Obviously, in in your career, you've dealt with a lot of different issues back when you were doing IT and now with mortgages and stuff. from a from a strictly from a business standpoint, what's some of the best advice uh, somebody's ever given you? Manager your attention.
0: Most people think of productivity as managing their time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, time management is important. But I think within time management, it's most important to manage my attention. Am I doing what I said I was going to be doing right now? And am I focused on it? Okay.
1: Can you elaborate on that a little bit more?
0: Yeah. Well, in this business and my previous business, there's many things that need to be done. So in the mortgage business, um, you you pick up a file and there's a lot of small tasks that need to be done and a couple of larger ones. And I don't like to finish or close that file until I've done everything I can possibly do at that time and without wow. distraction, without checking email or checking text or, Hey, what's right. going on in social media or without even just, I mean, I try really hard not to daydream, just mm-hmm. focus on what I'm doing at this time and do this one thing at this time. And that's how I tend to manage my attention.
1: Okay. So that, that's really um obviously makes you more productive and it's a, a better use of your time as compared to you know some somebody just you know picking up and putting down, picking up and putting down.-
0: I think so. It works for me. Also, okay. it's really important when I'm on when I'm in engaging with clients on the phone with them or if it's a message platform, when I'm engaging with clients, I do, they expect my full attention and they should get it. And that's where it really comes in handy. Right
1: now, um, at uh, Mortgage Acute, are you guys um, doing any uh, educational seminars or anything like that to the to the general public?
0: Well, we haven't been quite yet, mostly due to the pandemic. I know we could do some stuff on video, so we'll probably start rolling out a little bit of stuff in our community with first time home buyers. We okay. may do a little bit of um, some seminars on buying an investment property. Okay. And what to look for, sort of the process of going through it. What can you expect? What properties might be good for that kind of thing? And we'll partner with some realtors that have some insight into that. And that's one thing that I've been, I've been working on. So I've been writing that up. I've actually been testing it with, uh, I teach English as a second language as a volunteer, and we focus on business English. So i been practicing with them as a topic buying investment properties and they so far so good
1: that's great i think that that you know trying to educate people is is very important um, in, in going through these different processes um, you know just because i see people you know from from my side that just get in so far in over their head and then they don't know what to do
0: um, and it just kind of paralyzes them um, it's a mindset shift from yeah. going from a primary residence owner to an investment property owner. I think one of the biggest aspects is the mindset. It's an investment. Does it cash flow? You're not going to live there. Will people rent it? Does it fit the rental market? Right. That kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and that's that's where I lots of times I when I try to counsel you know my clients about you know getting into the investments and things like that is, you know, are you, you know, positive cash flow from day one? And, you know, lots of times they're like, oh no, I'm not. But, you know, with the tax breaks and everything else I'll be okay. And it's like, well, lots of times, you know, they don't understand that this is passive income and there's different tax rules with that. Um, And and I just always try to tell them, it's like, okay, you know, you're collecting a thousand dollars a month and it's costing you 1500. You know, how does how does that make any sense at all? And just lots of times they just well somebody else is paying down the mortgage for me and it's just like, you know, trying to educate them on that that that's not always the the smart thing to do is is pretty difficult at times.
0: It can be and I agree with you, cash flow is the most important thing on an investment property, I think. And if it doesn't cash flow it's not a good investment, right? And people do talk about appreciation. Well, is it an appreciation play or is it a cash flow play? Cash flow is much more interesting to me.
1: I right, I agree with you because I mean, again, we you never know what's going to happen with the uh, with the market. Is it really going to appreciate or not? Um, depending on what what else is going on in the community. That's true. Now, do you do a lot of things with uh, people that are flipping homes
0: and things like that? I do some, I do a little bit of uh lending to home flippers on short-term basis, you know, cause they're looking for three month, four months, six month kind of loans. Right. So I'll do a little bit of that. We certainly have the product for that and some investment, you know, if someone just kind of wants to get into the investment and then maybe renovate it and then do another refinance past that, I'll do that kind of financing as well. Um, I do understand it. I understand the mechanics of it and I, right. you know, can help talk through whether it, make sense on some levels.
1: Now, is that something that you guys also do is kind of help counsel them when they come to you about trying to get this? And and does it really make sense, you know, uh, for somebody to get into doing it? Because, you know, again, I see a lot of people are doing it and I don't see where they're making any money off of it.
0: Yes. As a mortgage broker, oddly, I'm probably more often counseling against getting into home flipping, then I'm counseling for it. First of all, do you have any kind of construction background? Right. You know, that's question one for me. And secondly, do you have, you know, do you have what it takes to renovate a house and get it to market fast, right? super fast, before the financing and the fees and everything else sort of eat up the investment? And a lot of times when you, when you go through the numbers on a house flip, a, it feels like there should be a lot of money, but there really isn't a lot of money or profit, let's say, at the end of the project.
1: Right. Right. I think I think that, that you know, all of the, 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 the shows on TV and everything else have made it look so glamorous and that you can make all this money and stuff like that. And um, I, I think that a lot of them are just so misleading um, because there's more that lose money
0: than make money. I I agree. It it is fun to watch. I will yeah. I will give you that. It is super fun to watch, and I enjoy those shows as well. But they are they run for they run a different business than a couple of houses at a time.
1: Right, right. So I mean I think that's great that you guys you know really you know don't just you know okay here here here's your loan. You actually try to to counsel them through this to make sure that they're not you know making a mistake there. Um, yeah. So what are some of the biggest challenges uh, you know, that you're facing right now? And how are you guys planning to, to be able to get around those?
0: Well, the one that's coming next is the, 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 the qualified mortgage or the definition of the qualified mortgage is going to change. And it's kind of changing now. Fannie and Freddie have said they're going to change on July 1st, whereas the CFPB has said that they'd hold off until next year. And I think in the end, it's just going to cause a little bit of confusion circa July 1st, but it's not going to be a major change overall. It's going to be a bit noisy, though. And so right now we're just trying to navigate – what really constitutes a qualified mortgage under the new guidelines, what constitutes a qualified mortgage until the new guidelines fully come into play. You know, what does Van Fred say a qualified mortgage is and just make sure that anything that any of our prospective buyers will qualify, you know, in what we think the guidelines will be. And that's probably our biggest challenge right now, along with the pricing increases on investment and second homes.
1: Right. Right. So, um, you know, we've covered a lot of stuff here in a short period of time. What, what is it that I haven't asked you uh, at this point that you wish I had?
0: I think the one thing you hadn't asked me was, how do I structure my day? Just kind of nuts and bolts. And I like to work in the mornings on pipeline review, moving the files to the process, working on the business as a whole, right. strategy, vendor reviews, things like that. And then I prospect about midday, say 11 to 3. And then I kind of take a break until about five, whereas around five to seven, eight, I catch up with referral sources, current clients, past clients. I find they're much more receptive to my calls, emails, contact points, a little bit in the early evening okay. when their day is kind of starting to settle in, then, um, you know, during the busy day.
1: Right. And that's
0: one thing, that's what i found works. And um, that's one thing you didn't ask, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that, that's important. Um, you know, I think as a, you know, especially as a business owner, you know, if you don't kind of have that structure, then it's almost like the, you know, the tail's wagging the dog instead of the other way around.
0: Yeah, that goes a little bit back to the attention where I don't want to just keep chasing tasks and feel busy, but not getting anything done.
1: Right, right. So if, if our listeners like what they hear and they want to reach out to you and talk to you and, and get some help from you, how can they, how can they reach out to
0: you? Well, they can certainly connect with me on social media. Um, uh, We have a Facebook page, Mortgage Acuity. They can come to our website, mortgageacuity.com, and at least check our current rates and kind of get a little bit of a feel for who we are and what we do. And certainly they can just call or text me at my phone number, which is 201-500-9650. Great.
1: Well, Jeff, I really appreciate your time today. Um, Our guest today has been Jeffrey Lloyd with Mortgage Acuity.